As we open up the scripture and we read what we've been reading now for about seven weeks, I think, I'm going to do my best to pose a few questions and then give you some responses that God has given me this week through the word. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. And I will make you. God personally, personally promises To you, each and every one of us, that if we will follow him, he will transform us. That's a a pretty great promise. What do you guys think? Like that if we endeavor to follow Jesus, that Jesus takes personal responsibility for our transformation. That Jesus personally guarantees That we will not look the same. That we will not be the same. That we will not struggle with the same stuff that we've been struggling with forever. Because he guarantees to transform us into a new creation that fishes for men. And I, I love that he gives us our job description from day one. Fish for men. And if we're not fishing for men then we have a reason to raise a question. Are we really following? Are we really being transformed? I love that Jesus does that. He says from day one, if you're going to follow me, I'm going to transform you. And you will be led to fish for men. So if we're not fishing for men as Christians, as people who confess Christ, we have to ask ourselves, what version of Christianity have we subscribed to? Because, I mean, dare I say that, it, that it's not the real gospel. And I think it's okay for me to say that because I think as a family, to bring us back to my initial opening remarks, like we're ready for something real. And we're not going to get the real thing so long as we resist fishing for men. So long as we resist following the real Jesus and allowing him to take us to the place where he wants to go, not where we want to go, but allowing him to take us to a place of transformation where he works within us, where he manufactures us, where he constructs us, where he creates us to be something different entirely. You know, this word make, right? This word make in the Greek, it means construct. It's got a double definition. It means to construct. But equally, it means to cause. And so Jesus is not just transforming you for the sake of transforming you so that he can turn you into something new and be entertained by you. He is transforming you because what he's doing in you will eventually and pretty quickly move through you. He, he not only wants to construct you, he wants to cause you to do. Everybody say do. do. You know that a part of our faith is not just believing in something, but doing something. 
You guys with me? Like doing something. Like that's the version of Christianity that Jesus gave his life for. He's like, hey, guys, I'm going to transform you, but I'm not going to leave you the same just to not leave you the same. I'm going to encounter you so that you can become a walking encounter so that other people can have encounters because ultimately I'm going to cause you to do this if you're going to follow me and be transformed by me. So Jesus promises to construct us and to cause us to become fishers of men. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are making us today. And we don't resist, but we yield in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So the message I have for you guys today is God made. Everybody say God made. God made. How many of you guys know that we're not called to be self-made? But we are called to be God-made. I'm going to try this side. How many of you guys know, like, we're not called to be self-made, but that we are called to be God-made? I'm going to give you guys a chance to beat them. Uh, How many of you guys know that we're called to be God-made? They win. You guys better get louder as this message goes. But like God has not called us to be self-made. He has constructed us so that we could be God-made. Now, I know that following Jesus sounds good. In fact, it's very intriguing to follow a mystical Jewish prophet that claims to be the son of God. But pretty soon after you start following this curious creature known as Jesus... You start to recognize that he has a passionate plan to transform your life, to change you. You will not be able to stay the same and continue to follow Jesus. And when you start to hear those words, that sounds a little scary, doesn't it? I mean, let's get honest. It sounds a little scary. Why does it sound scary? Because he's saying, look, when I construct you, I'm going to cause you to become a fisher of men. And it's impossible for you to fish for men and be selfish. But our culture is very selfish because we're obsessed with becoming self-made. We don't have time to become God-made because we're too passionate about becoming self-made. It's very popular in our culture to become a self-made millionaire, isn't it? I don't have anybody's help. Nobody gave me a hand up. I am a self-made Watch me work. Hashtag no days off. Hashtag no sleep. Hashtag grind and shine. You you guys know what I'm talking about. Because I I don't need a handout from anybody. You know, I I don't need nobody to give me nothing. I don't need nobody to give me anything. I I don't need nobody to help me. I got everything that I need right here. I'm going to become self-made. Watch me. You know what I'm saying? You guys know what I'm saying? Watch me. I did this all by myself. Self-made. I mean, we are obsessed with that. And then also everybody's trying to make it. Jesus says, I will make you. So why is it that we, even as Christians, are trying to make it? I mean, I mean, I'm genuinely asking you the question, if Jesus has taken personal responsibility to make you, then why are we so consumed 
with making it. I mean, that's, I'm, I'm asking you, ask yourself the question, please, if you feel like it's the Lord, you know, take it to heart and pray into it because Jesus is saying that he's going to make you. So why are we so selfishly, self-absorbed, self-obsessed with being made, with making it, with being self-made? And these were the questions that I began to ask God this week. I said, God, if you promise to make me, then what is my role in my transformation? I mean, I'm I'm, going to be honest with you guys. and, And I try really hard to make myself. Like, I read incessantly, and there's nothing wrong with reading. Don't, I don't want you to take this message the wrong way. There is nothing wrong with taking practical tools like messages, yeah. podcasts, instructional videos, sermons, YouTube, all that stuff. They can be tools for your development so that you can grow. But ultimately, none of those tools, none, zilch, Zero, nada, not a fraction of any of those tools has the power to transform you into who you are ultimately called to become. Like, I'm going to reiterate that point. I probably should five times. Like, none of those resources, none of them, there's not one of them that exists on planet Earth that has the supernatural power and grace to transform you into who you are ultimately called to become. They don't have the ability because they're not God. They're a great tool. They may be God-breathed. They may be God-inspired. They may be biblically driven. All of those things may be the case. But it is only Jesus that has the power to make you. It is only Jesus that has the authority to make you. It is only Jesus that has the ability to transform you into who you are called to become and to cause you to do what you are ultimately called to perform. It is only Jesus. There is no tool, there's no man, there's no woman, there's no human, there's no sermon, there's no podcast, there's no e-course, there's no $400 e-course that you can pay in installments over the next 22 months. None of those things have the supernatural power to make you into who you're called to become or cause you to do what God has called you to perform. None none of those things have that ability. And so as I began to think about that, I said, man, like, God, if you've promised to make me, then why do I spend so much time trying to make myself? Like, if Jesus has promised, I'm going to make you, why do we spend so much time? In our culture, we're taught to take supreme responsibility for making ourselves something great. In kingdom culture, Jesus says that he will take supreme responsibility for making you who you you are supposed to be. Can Can I read that again? So in our culture, we're taught to take supreme responsibility for making ourselves something great. In kingdom culture, Jesus says that he will take supreme responsibility for making you who you are supposed to be. That should alleviate a little stress. Right? That should alleviate a little pressure. That's what grace does. That's grace, right? Wow. It's a whole lot easier than I thought. Yeah, it is because he's already done the work. But but that, uh, that makes us a little uneasy. 
because we got a hashtag grind and shine. We got, we got, a, we got a hashtag self-made. We got a hashtag ain't nobody helped me. Started from the bottom, now I'm here. You, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, we're obsessed with that. You know why? Because we're, we're egotistical, we're arrogant, we're prideful. Like none of these things existed in the character of Jesus and none of these things exist in your true nature that Christ died for so that you could fulfill and live out. But we're so bombarded, aren't we? We're so inundated. We're so aggressively pursued on all sides by a culture that is so passionate about being self-made. And I think that even as Christians, we'll often believe that it is Jesus who saves us, but that it is us who must transform us. If Jesus saved you, don't you think that he has the power to transform you? Like Jesus has no intention of stopping at your salvation. What's interesting is that Jesus says, follow me, right? The implication is on us, right? But when he says, I will make you, the implication is on him. But we reverse it. Well, following Jesus is, that's his responsibility. Being made, that's my responsibility. But it's actually flip-flop in the scriptures. Jesus says, hey, look, I'm inviting you. I'm inviting, now you can't save yourself, but I'm inviting you. I'm in, I'm, I'm in, come on, come on, look what I did on the cross. Come on, look what I've done for you. Come on, look what my blood has done. Come on, look what my body has done. Come on, 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 follow, follow, follow. And then as we submit ourselves to that, he, did, he doesn't then say, work is done. The work, it's, it's just, it's, you're fine. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, the day I got saved was a pretty glorious day. But I really wasn't ready to go out and start fishing for men as much as I am today, as, as much as God has been transforming me uh, day after day, uh, year after year, as I've been going from glory to glory. Right? And so a lot of times we take a little bit too much responsibility to transform ourselves. And, and, and if this sounds like, you know, man, this is... I'm going to use a Kentucky term, hogwash, right? Like that is just no way, dude. Like I've got to take a ton of responsibility. I'm not saying don't take any. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying don't learn. I'm not saying don't read. I'm not saying don't study. We have a responsibility to study to show ourselves approved, right? I mean, that's scripture. But ultimately, I'm talking about base level, fundamental identity, who you are, who, who you are called to be, what you're ultimately called to perform. You are unable to do that yourself. You're, you're simply unable. You're not able. You don't have the ability. You don't have the strength. You don't have the intellect. You don't have the wisdom. It is only by God that we become that. And, and that offends us when we're addicted to working. You know what I'm saying? It, that, offends, that offends us when we're obsessed with performing. You know, it, it, it offends us when, when, when we are afraid of resting. It, 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 it hurts us when we get our identity through what we do rather than our identity from who we are. Right? I mean, are you guys with me today? And, you know, I, I've thought about it a little bit and I've recognized this is that 
Man, we try. We try really hard. I try. I try really hard. I try. I'm not even putting this on you. I'm telling you, man, I try to make myself. I've been trying to make myself. been trying to make myself a better pastor. been trying to make myself a better leader. been trying to make myself a better husband. been trying to make myself a better father. been trying to make, and there ain't nothing wrong with that. In the sense that I can study, I can read. But on a base level, it, it is not my efforts that's going to make me who God has called me to become. It is only going to be by supernatural grace. Because a work of the flesh can never accomplish a work of the Spirit. A work of the flesh can never accomplish a work of the Spirit. Only Jesus can make us, period. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm bombarded by who I should be. Right, Sunday afternoon, you know, hit the couch, ready for a nap, start scrolling through Instagram. And I see all the pictures of all the churches with all their successes. And I think, oh, man, I should be uh, uh, better fill in the blank. Whatever the uh, should du jour is, right? Like, I should, uh, I should be a better preacher. I should, I, should, I should be more fashionable. I, I should be more muscular. Uh, I, you, you, know, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Because like should, it just chases us around all day. You know, you should be skinnier. You, you should be uh, better at this. You, you should be healthier you you should be you should have more friends you should make more money you know you know should and shame are brothers and sisters right that, that's what it is a should, should and shame they're, they're they're familial and and we oftentimes take on the work of making ourselves because our our shame says we should and, and, and we feel small, and so we need to prove to the world that we are big. Hashtag self-made. Hashtag no days off. Hashtag team no sleep. Uh, we, we want to prove to our parents that we're really worthy of being loved. We want to prove to ourselves that we really should be accepted by the people that we so terribly desire to appreciate us. We, 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 have, we have shame, we have, we have anger towards the people who've mistreated us. And that oftentimes fuels our desire to make ourselves into something that God has never called us to become. In fact, it's guaranteed if shame and anger are the driving force behind your direction in life, you will end up somewhere God has not called you to go. If shame is your compass, you'll, you'll shave years off your life chasing a vision that is not God-breathed. If it's not shame or anger, I've recognized that it's, it's, it's fear. If it's not shame and anger that lead us to trying to make ourselves, it is fear that keeps us from allowing Jesus to make us just as much. We claim to follow Jesus, but we're afraid to let Jesus make us for fear that he'll turn us into missionaries. <laughs> hey. Hey. I would let Jesus make me, but he may call me to sacrifice. And I don't know about that. 
<laughs> I would let Jesus make me, but he may call me to quit my job. He may call me to finally tell that friend that's been abusing me for 44 years to hit the road. He may, yeah, okay. So, 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 so we, either, we either follow Jesus from a distance or we don't follow him at all. And so we never are able to become the person God's called us to become. And we're never able to do what God has fashioned us to perform. Should and shame, they cannot make you who you are supposed to become. Fear cannot make you who you are supposed to be. We cannot make ourselves only Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. Can make us. And when Jesus makes us, we will become the disciple that we are called to be. And we will do the works that God has called us to do. But only then. But only then. And isn't, you know... How many of you guys are like, so far, you're like, wow, well, that, that all sounds good, uh, Lyle, and, you know, that sounds liberating, but, but where do we start? I mean, obviously, Jesus wants to make us. Jesus wants to ultimately transform us into becoming fishers of men, but where do we start? I mean, what does Jesus want to make us really? And if you're writing this down, I got two points today. This is number one. What does Jesus really want to make us? Number one is Dead. dead he wants to make us dead dead men make good disciples you you can and you can say that in two ways depending on where you want to put the emphasis dead men make good disciples or dead men make good disciples they make good disciples they they make disciples they make good ones too Because they raise people up not to be passionate about their own self-interest. But they raise people up to be passionate about the nation's salvation. Dead men make good disciples. And I know this may sound crazy, but Jesus cannot make us a disciple maker so long as we are still alive. We must die. Because we have no power to make ourselves. Therefore, before we can be made, we must die. Notice I did not say that we must be forgiven. I said that we must be dead. Because I think that many people follow Jesus closely enough to have their sins forgiven, but not closely enough to cling to his cross. I, I know that's a, that's a mouthful, and I prayed into it. I asked my wife this morning, do you, th- do you think this is on? I, but let me... Let me dive into this just a little bit. See, Jesus' blood was shed for our sins. But Jesus' cross takes care of who we are. The blood took care of our sins, but the cross takes care of us. And so I, I fear that, that, that many Christians follow Jesus just closely enough to have their sins forgiven, but not closely enough to cling to a bloody cross and to die a death in him, to be raised to new life, and to live life in a completely different way as a new creation. So they come to church out of shame, they do evangelism out of guilt, 
and their relationship with Jesus is quite cyclical, and they only come back around to have their sins forgiven instead of following so closely that they're dead to sin itself. We need the cross to take care of who we are. We need the blood to take care of what we've done. But we need the cross to take care of who we are. Because my sins may be covered. But what about my sin nature? What about who I am? What about how often that I return? This is not relevant to anybody else but me. Okay, so... Right? I mean, I'm going to venture off here and talk about something I'm not quite sure of, which is a preacher foul, okay? I just want you guys to know. But look, it really is. You should know your stuff before you talk about it in public, and I'm doing my best. I think I have some grounds here for this conversation. But when you look look at the Old Testament, right, they celebrated the Day of Atonement, where the high priest, he went into the holies of holies, and, and, and he killed an animal so that blood would be shed for the covering of the sins of the people for a year. Some people come to church like that. They, they haven't updated themselves that we're not living according to the law, but we're living under a new covenant of grace. So they come to church on Christmas or on Easter to have their sins covered. You see what I'm saying? Like, Because they're like, Jesus, thank you for your blood, right? Because, you know, you've, you've covered my sin, but Jesus doesn't just want to clean up your conscience. Jesus wants to take care of your identity. He, he wants to... So, 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 so the path of discipleship is not becoming stronger and stronger. Because Jesus isn't here to strengthen your old man. The path of discipleship is to become weaker and weaker because the path of discipleship is for Jesus to kill the old man. But we work so hard to suppress sin and overcome it. That's man's way. But then God's way is to just remove the sinner from the equation. You you see what I'm saying? He just, he said, you're, you're not a factor. See, see, my cross has is, is dealt with that. Wow. Come on. So, so I'm afraid that for some of us, we may follow closely enough to be forgiven, but may not follow closely enough to be dead. Wow. Jesus messed up this week. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, yeah. not being mean. I'm just saying, Jesus, I, you know, I come to church, I need my sins forgiven. Yeah. All right, roll back another, another day. All right, thank you, God. Okay. Jesus, I messed up again. I need my sins to be forgiven. You know what I'm saying? But Jesus is saying, hey, look, I'm just, I want to give you the bread and the fish. But don't follow me just because I fed you. Don't follow me just because I forgave you. Like, you follow me because, not of what you get, but you follow me because of who you are. Is, Is this too much? I don't know. I feel like I need to, like, study this out more. But I was fighting with the Lord on this this week. I said, God, I don't need to teach this. I'm not good at this. We should fly somebody in. <laughs> oh, I'm dead serious. I said, we should, we should bring somebody in. This is not, this is not, this is not, it's not me. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a motivator. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, and I, I, you know, I feel like the Holy Spirit's like, man, how better to motivate somebody than to tell them, like, they're dead to their sin nature. And, uh, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
You know what's interesting? Is that the Bible never tells us to crucify ourselves. Because actually that's physically impossible. You, you can't crucify yourself, right? You cannot. You can put nails in your feet. You can put nails, a nail in one of your hands. You, you, you can't put the other nail. You cannot. You can't crucify yourself. It's impossible. It's physically impossible. But, but it's supernaturally possible. Why? Because of Galatians 2 and 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. Yeah. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And if we could really sum up the normal Christian life, you could do so with this phrase, it is no longer I who live. But Christ, who lives in me, I don't have to be convinced to fish from man. I'm supernaturally compelled because I have a new nature. It's not uncomfortable for me anymore. But see, for the old man, it's uncomfortable to evangelize. I don't want to impede upon anybody. I don't want to make anybody too uncomfortable. I don't want to go against what might be politically correct. But for a new creation, supernatural evangelism, it becomes natural. No longer is it uncomfortable. It becomes so comfortable, in fact, that not doing it agitates you. Because the reality of who you've now become says, I must. I have to. I have to. Because Jesus had to. Because Jesus couldn't shut himself up. Like they tried to suppress him. I mean, eventually that led him to a cross. But then he came back three days later and he continued to teach for 40 days. And 500 people saw him ascend to the Father on the last day that he was here in the flesh. And I mean, he just couldn't stop. He's just too full. He's about to pop. You know, it's like, I thought about it this morning, laying in bed. I was like, you know, we ask people to serve. We're not asking to serve because it's a nice thing to do. Like, we're asking to serve because you're a new creation. You can't shut the love off. You're like, I got to get this out of here somehow. I got I to gotta go love a kid. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know what I'm saying? I, I, it's not, I'm not here because I'm like, eh, I'm guilted into it. That ain't, that, ain't, that ain't real Christianity. I mean, that's great. I'm glad you volunteered. But, you know. A for effort, but like ultimately, God wants to make you not into a guilt-driven evangelist, not into a shame-induced volunteer. Like he wants you to die from that and resurrect you to a new life so that all these things that are unnatural become natural because you're not who you used to be. You're a brand new creation. And fear is no longer a factor because fear is not in your coding. It's not in your DNA. For I've not given you a spirit of fear. I've given you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. It's not the, it's not the DNA. It's not the blood. I mean, there's no, the fear ain't there anymore. <laughs> I, know, I know it's a stretch because, it, you know, it, it argues with our experience, right? But it's, it's not our experience that, that gets to argue the word. It's the word that gets to argue our experience. And it's, I, I'm backing a dump truck on you guys today. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm going to finish with this. I got like two minutes and love you guys. Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I who live. But Christ who lives in me. You know, if we are to do something different, we must become something different. That's the only way. You can't discipline yourself. You can't read enough books. You can't listen to enough podcasts. You, 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 you can't even go through enough uh, prayer lines of impartation. Wow. All, the, all those things are good. All those things are good. But all those things are accruements to the entree. <laughs> that is Jesus. I mean, it's, it's, that's what it's all about. And, and when we stray from that, 
We start looking for satisfaction in other places. And I don't know about you guys, but nothing satisfies my appetite quite like the entree. I mean, I'm happy for the finger foods. They get me going. I mean, it's great, awesome. But man, bring out... And, 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 and the entree is the cross, man. I mean, that's the central focus of Christianity. I mean, that's where we must be led to. And unfortunately, I think too many of us, me too, you know, are trying to embrace real Christianity, uh, sidestepping the cross. <laughs> you know, like following, well, <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? Well, no, I'm, I'm agile. I'm a dad, but I'm agile. Hey, how about these passages? 2 Corinthians 5 and 14. For the love of Christ controls us. Isn't that interesting? Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. Romans 6 and 3 says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We must be dead, and he has accomplished our death on his cross, and we must accept that. We must simply accept that. It's a historical fact that Jesus was crucified. It's also a historical fact that the thieves were crucified next to him. It's also a historical fact that you were crucified that day also. Oftentimes we have faith for the thieves who didn't know him and no faith for ourselves who do know him. But it's a historical fact that in the same way the thieves were crucified... On the same date, you were crucified on the same date, but you weren't crucified in the thieves. You were crucified in Jesus. You were in Jesus when he breathed his last and he gave up the ghost and he said, it is finished because he was pronouncing your death. He 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 was leaving the last words over your casket as you were lowered into the tomb it's finished he wasn't just talking about himself he's talking about for you like it's finished like you're you're self-working you're striving you're trying to figure out how you can transfer that's finished it's over this is the path of jesus christ of the cross romans 6 and 5 for if we have been united with him in a death like this we shall we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like this and guys, if we do not die as he did, we can't live as he does. When you've died as he did, you can live as he does, as a brand new creation. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. See, once you've become something different, you can do something different. You can fish for men consistently and successfully, naturally. Not because should and shame told you that you should or else you'd feel shame. And not because you're afraid that God won't be pleased with you. You fish for men simply because that's what new creations do, naturally. Only a supernatural creation can walk out a supernatural calling. 
Only a supernatural creation can walk out a supernatural calling. You can't execute a work of the Spirit with the work of the flesh. You got to be dead. You got to be resurrected. You got to be born again. There's no way out of it. There's no way you can do what you've been called to do without going through the cross. Last scripture. But God shows his love for us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood. And that's what I wanted to connect back to what I was saying earlier. Because I don't just want you to be cleansed of your sins today. I want you to be cleansed of yourself. And this is what the cross deals with. The cross deals with you. Romans 6 and 7. Okay, one more scripture. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. We were justified by his blood. But when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. It's not just about being forgiven of our sins. It's about being set free from the power of our sin. Of any of the old nature. And this is the gospel. And this is what I felt to share with you guys today. He wants to make you. He wants to make you dead to sin. Alive in Christ. And as much as I thought. Man we should definitely get an evangelist. To come in and share this message. I feel like the Holy Spirit's done what he wanted to do. And you know honestly you guys. I just think that it's good for us. And, 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 and Paul talks about reckoning. And we say that word a lot in Kentucky. Well, I reckon. But there, there's something in that because we should reckon ourselves as being dead. The old man's not going to be strengthened. He's dead. He died on the cross 2,000 years ago in Jesus. We are a new creation. It's not our responsibility to transform ourselves. It's God's responsibility to transform us, and he has done it. And we need to reckon that as our new reality. You're not prone to sin. You're not prone to disobedience. This is your natural habitat. Can we stand? I I feel like I can hear the the cries of the babies downstairs telling us that our time is up. Um, But I just want to, I want to pray today and, and, uh, And if you need to get right with God, you can do it right now. You can do it in the car on the way home. You can can go have an entree at Edley's. And, yeah, you can do it there with your friends. But, Father, we thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus. We thank you for the blood that was shed for our sins. We We don't make light of the blood because it's the blood that paves the way to God. We don't enter by our own strength. We enter by the blood. Satan has no grounds for accusation. For the blood speaks a better word. The blood gives us access and we thank you for it. God, we thank you for your cross today. We thank you that you've absolutely crucified the old man and you've raised us up. We've resurrected with Jesus Christ. Not that we one day will. When we study ourselves up enough to become a new creation by our own strength. But it is a historical fact (laughs) that you have become new. It's a historical fact that you are a new creation. And, And we pray right now, God, that you would help us accept that. That you would just help us to accept it. Like a gift we didn't pay for.
In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen.